Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. We're in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly and his incredible staff. Great sponsors of the podcast, sponsors of our studios, where our guest today is, I think it would be fair to say, one of the best amateur golfers in St. Louis history, Skip Berkmeyer. And uh, I know that golf is, um, I don't know how it happened, but golf has become um, a big part of uh, the radio show, TMA, and, uh, and Skip, being a friend of the show, a listener of the show, a listener of the podcast, uh, is someone who I've gotten to know, I've gotten a chance to play with, and he just played in his fifth, am I right on that, Gangster Pete? His fifth U.S. Amateur. Yes, sir. At uh, Pinehurst just in August of 2019. Played at Pebble Beach in the USAM in 2018 while the PGA in St. Louis was going on and um, and actually made it through stroke play to get to match play where he lost after being up two on a golfer who has now gone pro. Um, but he was up two with, I think he said, eight holes to go. And, uh, and his opponent, um, who's not a household name, but has now turned pro, uh, birdied on 18 at Pebble Beach, and Skip had a four-foot putt. He birdied from about 15 feet out, he said, if I'm not mistaken. Skip had a four-foot putt for birdie. Had his opponent missed it, they would have gone to sudden death, assuming Skip hits the four-footer. And having played with Skip, I would say he's about 98.4%. That's the number I would give to hit the four-footer for birdie and uh, force uh, sudden death to advance at that point even further into the U.S. Amateur. And, and, and here's a fun fact for no and tell, and I didn't realize this, uh, that um, of the people who are advancing to the, the match play, in these U.S. amateurs, uh, almost all of them are are, are, are 25 and under, uh, or under the age of 25. It's just the, the way the game has changed because it's a bombing game now with the, with the tee shot. It used to be like people would say, don't spend all your time when you're practicing with your driver. And it was interesting in the course of this conversation, Skip says, yeah, the driver's the most important club in your bag. It's just changed the game. So if you can get it out there, and he explains statistically why that is, um, and yeah, you're going to miss maybe more fairways than the guy who doesn't hit it as far, but is more precise the, on those holes where you are 30 or 40 yards ahead of him, what that does. I mean, how many club difference is that? And that certainly Im- improves your precision. So listen, uh, this is a golf nerds paradise podcast, um, from hearing how Skip got to where he got and how he continues to do what he's doing as he approaches uh, the age of 46, but yet is p- still playing of his game, 
Uh, Skip Berkmeyer, our guest, presented this week by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Mark online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, presenting our guests every week here on The Tim McKernan Show. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast because we have great guests every week. I don't know how much longer we can keep doing it, but I keep saying that and then we keep doing it. Um, and so, uh, we're very grateful for the producers for getting the guests and we're very grateful to the listeners for supporting the podcast, but the way you can really support it is subscribe to it and then it downloads to your phone. And then anytime you want to listen to these interviews, which most of the time are evergreen, meaning you can listen to them anytime and they're not really dated. Uh, it helps the cause. And of course our sponsors who make it possible. And that's Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert.com, Mark Hanna, evergreen wealth strategies online at evergreenstl.com. James Carlton of the Carlton state farm insurance agency, 314-961-4800 or online at carltoninsurance.net design air heating and cooling online at designairservice.com, The number one train dealer in the Midwest. They're the uh, official HVAC provider of our radio program, the Ryan Kelly morning after and Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth exit online at Landoff.com. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Skip Berkmeyer. Skip, I'm going to nerd out here, and I'm going to nerd out hardcore. And I oh. can't wait to do this. <laughs> I, I can't wait to do this. I'm uh, I'm, I'm anxiously waiting because I'm curious where this is going to go because uh, I love talking golf. Uh, I, I love we've played together and all give the audience you, the You background. actually beat me too. Yes, yes. We, we, we've played a few times. Um <laughs> So I'm curious where this is going to go because it can go different directions. And, and I'm a little nervous because actually people listen to this podcast. That I've been <laughs> and on. you've been on other I've podcasts been other and you don't know if there was an audience. That's then. correct. So, Well, I remember playing and we were, we were BSing one time. And I, I was curious because it seems to me now the great players, and I'm talking about in your category and the guys we see on tour, mm -hmm. they start so young. There are exceptions, but mm -hmm. the vast majority start so young. And I remember asking, I said, when do you think you've, first started playing and I remember your answer because I've told some people this and you said you think around two now two not playing sure. of course but swinging a club if you could go back to what makes you what, think it was two or if you even can remember it maybe you well, got some wizard-like memory I think you got to go to the whole story of me my it's my parents my parents I was an only child so and and my mom is a great player. My mom has won our state amateur five times. How about so that? she's won. She's been the finalist of the USGA Senior Amateur. She's won the senior. She's legendary in the golf world around here and throughout the state of Missouri for sure. If not if not further, so golf was obviously very important to my parents, and it's a part of their relationship to be honest. And uh, so wherever they went as an only child, I went. So and they really did a great job of making golf fun for me is so my mom even when I would play with her she wouldn't be intimidating about it she'd hit like a five iron off the tee or a seven iron off the tee so she wouldn't be hitting it way past me and stuff um so she made it they, they made it fun for me they got me started in the game early I mean I remember going to the golf course and they tee me off in the middle of the fairway and I'd, I'd hit it I didn't think it was the middle of the fairway at that time yeah. I remember always being around Norwood Hills Country Club where I grew up so those are my earliest memories of playing golf but I, I don't know if actually I think when I say I started it too, because I just remember being around it all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's pictures of me as a young person in my parents' house swinging it, uh, swinging the club. So that's what I remember the most. Um, but I do think the game, for the most part, most people start early with it. And then you play other sports. I played other sports. But I think your hypothesis or your guess or, or my saying that people start early I think is an accurate. Yeah, the great the great players for I the think most so. part. For the most part, are there exceptions that you can think of on tour right now that didn't start? 
I, I really can't off the top of my head. It's become so specialized with junior yeah. golf and all like all sports has become so specialized. Yeah. You know, people are only playing soccer or they're only playing baseball or softball. Um, I remember Larry Nelson picked up the game late in life. I mean, Jay Williamson's a good example of really, he played, but he really didn't play till after college. Um, but I think you got to have some exposure to a movement of a swing, whether it's in tennis or golf or baseball to have any kind of clue of what you're doing to get the bug and to go forward. And I, so that's why I think you have to start young. When do you think you first ballpark played in a competition of sorts? I think nine was my first time, nine or eight. Now that I, relative to now actually would be somewhat late. I'm talking yeah. in 2019, it would be somewhat late, yeah. which might sound weird to people, but it, but it would be somewhat late. We used to have, I think my parents wanted me to be old enough to be able to walk and carry my clubs, the 18 holes and to do that. And, and, um, which is you know, now they have push carts and they do, they have tournaments where you start with shorter distances a lot of times. But, um, I do remember doing that. They had, used to have what they had Monday districts because most country clubs were closed on Mondays. They didn't have the Monday charity outings or if they did, they were very few. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so about four times a year, they would rotate amongst the courses. You'd have these Monday events where you go and play a country club at a Monday. If you were a member of another district club, it was called the junior district. And that was the first time that I played in an event. It was at Norwood. It was the East course. And I remember shooting a hundred, if I remember that correctly. And, uh, I, you know, playing the, the, the red tees or the front tees. And, uh, that's, that's my first memory of playing. But I, I but once again, I, I don't think I'm your typical golf story that you see now. I mean, I played other sports. Golf was maybe my third or fourth best sport. I think, I think basketball was better at that point. I think I think football ended up being a really good sport for me in high school, and then baseball was a really good sport. So golf was always there, but it wasn't my main focus. I played other things. So what did you play in high school? I played football uh, in the fall, and then I played basketball. In the, yep. Quarterback at Chaminade. That's correct. I and I hear tell a pretty good one. I was okay. Yeah, I, I was. Anytime I was, somebody says I was okay, they're downplaying their ability. I was I, I, I was. I was fine. <laughs> I think it's compared. I would say I was a great baseball player. It's like, oh, you got cut three of the four years. Yeah, but still politics. It's just so different now. I mean, these kids like are specializing in being just a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So when I was there, they said they needed someone to throw. Could you throw? Oh yeah, I'll, I'll stand <laughs> and up. I can, I can do it. So you just and you didn't really have any tutelage. You just it was that sport that year. You, you played. Um, so that was that was my position. Uh, you know, because I was not in it for hitting or anything like that. I mean, I was the only guy on the roster that was listed with just an offensive position. Cause there's, I think we would have forfeited before I went on defense. Cause <laughs> I mean, my, my idea of running the option in high school was either a, a, a straight dive or a quick pitch. It was uh, not me running it. You were not going to be out there. No, no, I was not going to be it. No, I was not going to do that. So I, I played that and I played basketball and then I, I golf was what I chose in the spring. And I think I chose it. Number one, knowing my long-term probably was in golf. So and you I, were thinking that you're cognizant of that. Well, I mean, I guess your I, yeah. family probably played a role in that. It did. Apparently. The amateur golf was a big deal. And I honestly, I kind of got sick of the team sport. I kind of liked being an only child and being someone who liked my own time and not, I liked the solitude of golf and uh, I enjoyed that. So that, that, that kind of is why I did it. And I knew I could play right away and, and I would be on the, you know, the varsity team. So right what away. kind of career did you have in high school golf? at Charlotte? It was very good. I, I was all state, I think, my junior year. And then my senior year, I got the chicken pox, honestly, going, driving down to the state. I qualified for the state as an individual. And so I couldn't participate <laughs> in the state tournament. No way. It's a true statement. I barely made it to graduation. Um, I got a really severe case. Uh, you know, obviously, when you get it later in life. And uh, so I did not finish what I was hopefully starting was a, was a chance to win the state that my senior year. But golf is so different. And, you know, while everyone's, oh, that's so tragic. Oh, that's awful. But... Golf is so different in 
with um, Missouri State, it, it it really means nothing. I mean, I mean, it's nice. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm sure I would have loved to have won. But as far as getting a college scholarship or anything like that, I mean, golf, I mean, kids today, I mean, they don't even, you don't need to do it. It's nine hole matches, but it's it's fun to play for your team and your school. But outside of that, it's it really means nothing. So what do you do with, with golf beyond Chaminade then? I go to... So I had opportunities to go play Division One at certain at certain institutions, Southern Illinois, Drake, in my in Missouri Valley schools for the most part. But I decided to go to a small school in Iowa for golf, which is ironic, called St. Ambrose University, and it was an NAI institution at the time. So the, and they went to nationals every year, and they basically at that time the, the schedule for it's different now, but we basically played a Division One schedule even being in a small school. You didn't have to have the quality of participants in events for these big tournaments. So we played a, basically the Missouri Valley schedule. We didn't, they didn't have anything to qualify for, if, if I'm making mm-hmm, sense. Sure. So we participated in a really good schedule. Other than we went to nationals, I got some money to go there. It was a smaller school. And honestly, I enjoyed their mass communications program. I had the opportunity to go like do games on the road mm-hmm. and stuff like that and um, for basketball and football and stuff like that. I had, I had that opportunity and I enjoyed that. So it was kind of, my uncle went there, was an all American there in the sixties at, at golf. My family, my mom's family was from there and grew up there in, in the, in the uh, quad cities and then in Southern Southwest Iowa. So it was kind of a, it was, that, that's how I ended up there. And it was a smaller school. I didn't know if I could handle a big school. And um, once I was there for two weeks, I realized, Oh yeah, I would have been fine. But, uh, that's where I was for four years. Had a great experience. Did you? Did you or did you not have a, an experience with Zach Johnson? That's a that's a that's funny that you ask. I get asked about that probably more than any other story. And Zach, Zach came to rec- on a recruiting visit. Um, he's two years younger than me, so I was this big man on campus. You know, I was the the low man on the varsity or the top five, I should say, team. So I was always the guy, and I lived on campus. Would be the guy taking the kids around that are coming in for recruits. So Zach came in earlier that year. And for some reason I wasn't there, but by the, he came back and it was down between Drake and St. Ambrose. He wanted to go to Iowa, had his heart set on going to Iowa. Iowa didn't want any part of him. Two-time masters. Two-time masters winner. And an open. And open. Apologies. But, he, major but so I meet him and he and his buddy are there. And I don't remember the, the buddy's name, but there's an attorney in town, Aaron Vogel, and I take them to the, a bar and grill called the Filling Station. Big, big, big deal. Um, it had burger baskets or something that day. <laughs> they were cheap. And we go to the, we go to the, the story goes, we go to the, we go to order food. I'll have a Diet Coke, you know, Dr. Pepper, whatever. And Zach Johnson, at the time, who I didn't know who the heck he was, and he weighed about 125 pounds, soaking wet. He looked like he was a freshman at, at, at high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just, he, his his partner or his buddy with him had a you know more zits on his face than you possibly imagine. <laughs> I mean, he, the poor guy. And so he orders a strawberry daiquiri. And so I, Zach orders a boat drink. He does. He orders a <laughs> strawberry daiquiri. No, no show. He orders a strawberry daiquiri. So I look. I kind of look weird, and I look at and and I look at the waitress. And before the waitress could even say, "Can I see some ID?" He says, "No, no, no. Strawberry daiquiri, virgin." And he looked at his buddy and goes, we do this all the time back in Cedar Rapids. So immediately he says that, and I shut down. There's no way this guy, I'm this cool sophomore, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm this guy. There's no way this guy is going to come on our team. I because go, he orders the strawberry I'm like, daiquiri. This, what a dork. I mean, come on. This what guy, if it I mean, wouldn't have been a virgin strawberry well, daiquiri? Or was he, it the daiquiri he, in itself? That was bad enough. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it was I'm just like, are you kidding me? And he and he and he I don't know. He was very brash, and he also was. Oh, he was. He was. Oh, yeah. Really. Yeah, he, but he wasn't very good. He didn't have the statistics to back it up. I think he just came off shooting like 81, 79 in high school state championship. You can win the fan page club championship with numbers like that. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm thinking there's no way. So I walk into the guy to my coach's office. He goes, "What did you think? I mean, I'm really excited about him. I think he's got potential." But he was that way about every other recruit that he had. <laughs> And I looked at him and I said, if you spend $1 on this guy, it's a waste. He's never going to play for us. He's never going to be in our top five. And lo and behold, he picks Drake. I think the coach still offered him money. I didn't know what what the dollar amount was. He goes to Drake. The rest is history. He did not go to St. Ambrose. And I get more crap from from our coach <laughs> thinking of the donation dollars that could have been to St. Ambrose oh, University. And yes. Oh, yes, that my is, that is goodness. <laughs> Yeah. So when you see him now on tour and you see him yeah. with the green jacket on and you it's see funny. him in the open a few years ago, what are you thinking? I'm thinking there's the dork that drank the virgin <laughs> strawberry daiquiri. I, I, the best, and also who knows it is, is uh, so he, so his putting coach for a long time, he worked with the Seymour putter. You know, he has got that Seymour putter. It, the guy who was kind of the tutor of it or the professional of it was Pat O'Brien, uh, who's a, a teacher out of Dallas. And he was a friend of Payne Stewart's before he passed away and, He's, he's a pro, and so he's Zach's putting coach. And I used to rep a little bit for Seymour here locally for their putters. Mm-hmm. I used it, liked it, and 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 took in the pro shops and sold them a little bit. And long story short is he was in town doing a clinic for me and stuff. We go to the bar afterwards. We're having a drink after the clinic, and there's Zach shooting 61 in Vegas. So immediately, you know, this is he starts texting him, and I and he so he texts him. Would, would he celebrate? Are you celebrating with a virgin strawberry daiquiri? Was the text to Zach Johnson? He saw, showed me the text, and all he got was a middle finger back. So, 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 the, the the best the best part of the whole thing is is that I get told that story. People come up to me and say, "Have you heard about the Zach Johnson story?" Not even knowing that it was me, because it's made its round so well. It's just so the golf community small. That's, have you ever met Zach since then? I have not. I have not. I would love to. When to he talk was in to town him. for Bell Reeve, I did not. I no. have not met him. I was out of town for Bell Reeve. I was at the U.S. Amateur, so I, I was going to work for CBS, and I was hoping that I could at least introduce myself and do that with him. What um, were you going to do? I didn't know you were going to work for CBS. I was going to work as the, one of those guys that they have a week um, that, that go around. I think they have a regular crew, and then they invite some others to like do give the club so that to show that it's the seven iron or the six iron. Oh, or the five. I always wonder how they know that. So the work around inside the ropes. I didn't know how it was going to work other than I had signed a contract. I so was going to do the do caddy. It. Is that what you do? I or don't the caddy know. Caddy, if it gives us, I, I have no, no idea. I, I just know that I was going to put whatever into a device and it was going to help out the announcers. And I was going to follow one group inside the ropes, which would have been sure. a really cool job to have that week. Cause I didn't really want to go. I wanted to watch but actually being inside the ropes would have Different been fun. Different ball game, yeah. absolutely. But I didn't get a chance to do it because I was at the U.S. Amateur, which was not a bad thing. Of course. No, and I'm looking forward to discussing <laughs> that. Um, so so from St. Ambrose, where where are things at that point for your golf career? Well, I think I was like any other kid that graduates college. Now what the what the, yeah. heck, are, what the heck are you going to do? I mean, really, um, you know, I was an All-American in AI, which isn't that big a deal. But I my whole thing was I think I was – I had this amateur golf stuff in my head because of my parents and because growing up at Norwood Hills, being around Bob Cocker and Jim Jackson, being around my, my mom and knowing how good Jim Holcreeve, all these great players and seeing what amateur golf was like. I, why turn pro if I couldn't beat everybody here? 
was my thought. I mean, honestly, everybody like in, in St. Our, Ambrose. No, everyone in St. Louis. If I couldn't beat everybody oh. here or the state, if I couldn't win the state amateur, if I couldn't be the clear best player here, how the heck am I going right. to make it out there? Um, so I. So in your mind, are you like I can't beat them, or I, in your mind, I got to beat them, and then I can make that decision? What do I you think, think? I think I don't even think you can make the decision until you can. Okay. At least that was my thoughts, and I had, and this all is predicated on I had an outlet because I had my dad had a small business all-star trophy. So I had a way to go to work, but yet still work on my game mm-hmm. and try to get better and still do do it that way and, and, and still play amateur golf. What's and your hand? Do you have any idea what your handicap was back then? I'm sure I was around a scratch or a plus one right. or around that area. I, I don't, I don't know, but that, that was my thought process. And so it, it never really occurred to me to turn professional, honestly. It, I mean, I mean, yeah, I thought about it, but it's not something that I ever made plans to do. I ended up breaking my leg the only thing that was really a little different, I broke my leg. And so um, I ended up going down to Florida for four months to rehab. My parents said, yeah, just go to Florida, rehab it after you get out of the cast, do all that stuff. And I, and I actually lived with an instructor for four months at his house and worked out, did all that stuff, rehab my leg, um, got better at the game. He wanted me to turn pro. I said no. And because of my reasoning and, and that was it. So it was, I got, well, he this, did, he wanted you to turn pro. He did. He, his deal is you need to go do it and then you'll get better once you do it. Yeah. I, I didn't prescribe to that theory, I, but I did get to see these guys. Do you look back on that and regret it? No, 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 no. Don't, you don't even think twice. Because I look at how, and the reason I'll tell you is because I saw how these guys lived at the time. So in the mid nineties, the Ho- it was like the Hogan tour, the right. Nike tour. It was not what it is today. It's still tough, but it was, it was less money. I think they were winning like five grand, 10 grand a tournament. I, so they were still had like the Tommy Armour tool, the tour, the Golden Bear tour and stuff. It was basically like gambling. I mean, you, th- you threw $1,000 <laughs> in for an 18-hole tournament, and there's like one guy was going to win the money. You know, and it's just yeah. – I watched these guys. I go to the tournament. I would play in a few of them as an amateur just to see, to see what it was like. And they were sleeping in their cars, really? doing that kind of stuff. And, and they weren't necessarily the kind of character people that I wanted to be around in my life. I mean, they, they, they'd rob you. They'd want to rob you for, for, for a nickel. I mean, they, they would want to hustle you. And I just, I just didn't, I saw that it wasn't for me. Were these former college golfers who sure. now had gotten or, desperate? Or I mean, mid-am golfers or, yeah. or not, not our mid, you and know, mid-am for people old. who don't know what that means. means mid-am is 25 and older, but they were 25 and older kind of golfers that were trying to still make it professionally and would just, they would just do things or try to do things to one another. They would, I'm not saying they would marginally cheat. I mean, they, they really wanted to do things because it was all about making money. Yeah. And so I just, I didn't see that as a way I wanted to go. And I had the backbone of the business and, and to still do things here. And I enjoyed that. And so it was, it was an easy decision. So as you're progressing now with your amateur game mm-hmm. in Missouri, how is that trajectory going in your twenties? It's going well. I'm playing better. Um, I, I, I was, I think I was player of the year in 98. So things were going in a row. I, I qualified for my first U.S. Amateur in 1995. So I was a senior year in college, going to be a senior. Um, so I'm, I'm Tigers getting, winning them then. I was there when he was one of, one of them. Yes, I was at that event. So I, I've made it from 95 to 2019. So I've seen a lot. But but long story short is, is that I was progressing. I was getting better, but it was slowly but sure, incrementally getting better. Um, you know, just progressing, learning. Uh, I love to learn and information. So it was just constantly getting better. I still had a life. I still had work and I still had different things, but that was, I was still getting better. So it, it, it's not, it, it, I'm curious, the, the thought sure. process, are you thinking if I can continue to get better, maybe then I'll give a run or are you, no. you're a hundred percent committed to the amateur game. Pretty much. Know 
pretty much. And once I got through 97, I was pretty much committed going that way. And, and I, I, I started looking, there was this book that had listing of amateur tournaments in it that, that actually Tom O'Toole had given me or their office had given me. And I, I looked at it. Tom O'Toole, St. Louis, and yes. former USGA president. Right. And, it's, and running the Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association in town. He's the director emeritus now. But he had this book and it had listing all these amateur tournaments. And I started filing through it to look. Oh, there's one at Marion. Oh, crap. There's one at Pine Valley. Oh, there's one at Baltusrol. Oh, there's one at all these great places. And I'm thinking, well, how do I do that? That sounds like a pretty cool thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started thinking, well, you got to have a resume to do that. So then I started just playing in bigger tournaments and keep getting better. And, and I figured someday maybe that would be the case that I would be doing that. So that was, it wasn't really an active, like thinking about it every day. It's on my wall goal, but that was a carrot that was out there. If I kept, if I qualified for USGA events, if I made runs, if I did things like that, I could have this other potential life. And I, that, that, that intrigued me. So one of the things that I think goes on for guys in your class, uh, and I'm talking about like the creme de la creme of amateur mm -hmm. golfers, is guys like me uh, go, man, he's so good. Why doesn't he or why didn't he go sure. pro? Because we don't realize and see the things that you see. For right. example, I've, I remember talking to Jay Randolph Jr., when he played at South Carolina, it's not like he's, you know, I mean, he's got, he's got, he had to have had something going on. He said, did you ever think about going pro? And he just, he goes, no. And I go, <laughs> and, and, and I go, well, if you're playing South Carolina, something he goes, I said, when did you, when did you even realize that wasn't possible? He goes, the day I showed up on the driving range at South Carolina, it was clear yeah. it wasn't going to happen. I've had Mark Mulder on the podcast, the former Cardinal pitcher, who's who a I've, great Who player. I've played with. You have played with. All I right. have. And he's gotta, always in the mix in that thing out of Tahoe. Correct. I'll give you, you a good one on him. All right. <laughs> and I and I said to him, and he's play, he plays with Ches Reevy and Pat Perez a lot in Scottsdale. Mm -hmm. And his analogy, when I had him on, we talked for like an hour and probably 40 minutes, was about golf, and 20 was on baseball. And he goes, what people don't realize is how good these guys are. Mm -hmm. And he said the equivalent I would, the, the analogy I would draw for baseball is it's like a guy coming up from A ball to play at the big leagues. Yeah, the guy from A-ball might be able to get a hit like one out of 20 times. But the difference between A-ball and the big leagues is so great. It's They're professionals both, but it's so great you just don't understand. He goes, he goes I will play out of my mind with Pat and Chez. And I'll be like, God, I must have. And they're like barefoot and barely paying attention. And Pat shoots a 66. And I'm like, I shot a 69. I just played them. And he was barely paying attention. He goes, you just don't get it. He goes, they have 12 shots. You know, with each individual shot, you know, high cut, you know, whatever, whatever side they want to go with, right to left, you know, left to right, whatever they're going to do, they can do it. And he goes, I have like three. And he goes, people don't realize that. And then the ability to putt is what really separates oh, yeah. the, the world. What did you see that made you go? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not in that. Class. I agree. I agree with everything that he said for the most part. I mean, I, I, I do. I mean, if you look at results of being like, like go to the 2006 Porter Cup, which is a great national amateur event. You will see me, and I'm saying this not to humble brag, but to, just to, you know, to double up on your point here. I finished second in that event. I beat that week Dustin Johnson, Webb Simpson, Harris English, Ricky Fowler, um, and Billy Horschel, I think, was in the field, and others. So as you're looking at that field and you're going, well, yeah. if you can do that for yeah, four days, right. why aren't you turning right. pro? And it would never even occur to me to do that because the – Yes, one week you can get lightning in a bottle. I think with golf, more than any other sport, you can get tricked very easily. I've played with Jay Williamson twice. I think both times I played with him, I beat him. 
In fact, one time I think I beat him pretty good. And people would be look at that and go, well, Jesus, he almost won twice on the PGA Tour. Why aren't you playing on the PGA Tour? It doesn't work that way. I think you need to go out and you need to play. If you're going to go do that, in his case, you're going out and playing at Whisper Rocket with those guys. You'd have to beat them or under or play with them for like a month straight mm. to actually get a, a barometer of where your game at and, and what it is. I mean, you're playing on a course you know a lot of times. Sure. You're playing yeah, on that's, that's all, all this yeah. stuff that is you're in your comfort level. You need to get out of your comfort level to see if you can actually do it. I mean, I did that that week because it was at the Porter Cup. I was playing really well. It was a par 70 golf course. It was only 6,800 yards. It had really high rough, and it was narrow. So it was like, that's kind of like right in my wheelhouse yeah, of being yeah, successful. Yeah. And those kids were young. Their potential was through the roof. Mine was that, that day. Yeah. <laughs> it was, that was it. That was it. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I my, my point is, is I think you can really get tricked into doing it. And there's this mid-am that's out there, 25 and older. He won, actually, the United States mid-am when it was here in St. Louis. His name was Danny Green. He's a known hustler and a guy that was a bookie, really, basically, for his – and probably still is. He doesn't play anymore, but he sits on his couch and is a bookie. And, and his big thing was – his saying was – I heard him say it multiple times. If you can't beat the fat man – it's kind of a hick from Tennessee, yeah. to be blunt. You can't beat the fat man every day. You got no business being out there. And it's a true statement. So I, I've kind of, people have asked me all the time when they bought people here in town. And I, I would say, if you can't beat me every day and buy a lot, meaning like throttle me every day, your chances of making it are, aren't very good. What is throttle? I mean, like, you know, they're going to beat me two or three every day. You're mm -hmm. going to shoot, I'm going to shoot 70. You're going to shoot 67. I'm going to shoot 68. You're going to shoot 65 or 66. And, and over four rounds or over a week, it's going to be 10 to 20 shots. Yeah. And then, and I'm not even the barometer that you're trying to get right, to, but it, right. it's a it's a one that you got to pass through that. And there's only been a few that've been able to do that, and and they they're pretty successful. You interviewed one in Adam Long. Adam Long, I was going to get into Adam Long because because Adam Long, when I talked with him, and this was before we started recording, Adam Long, who won uh, the Desert Classic in in January with Phil Mickelson yeah. <laughs> standing right behind him as he had to had a birdie putt. Right. Adam's a great guy. We've become friends. Fantastic. Uh, in text here and there, and saw each other uh, before the Blues uh, game six against the Bruins. Great guy, listener of the program. Pete, he's bought some of your uh, inside STL shot. You're he's very actually proud of paid. He actually, you have, you, do you have a check from him or something? Or a Venmo? Uh, My goodness. Yes, he do. He, I, I, yeah, uh, Pete. Uh, That's fantastic. He goes, hey, Adam Long bought some. I go, really? So I texted Adam. And he goes, yeah, oh, yeah. I got him around my neighborhood. You know, all the golfers live in Palmage Gardens and Jupiter. So Adam gave me one thing, and Pete, remind me if I don't go back to this. This is on you, of course. It won't be on me. I have to always blame the producer, <laughs> just like blaming my caddy. Yeah. But, uh, Adam gave me one thing that stands out to him as a difference. What do you see as the difference or differences between, be, between let's say, a Skip Burkmeyer and the, the, the guy, not even, Adam not, not or, even, well, yeah, if you want to well, go, Adam, I, I, Adam, would, I mean, Adam would probably be. I mean, I've played with Adam a lot. So. I was going to like the guys, you know, your Mount Rushmore of current golfers. I mean, I would imagine distance certainly Distance would be, is big. I think, uh. I just think it's overall consistency, solid, you know, the the, the ball coming off. I mean, I hit balls next to Brooks Kepka last year, and I mean— Did you really? I did. I was at the Floridian, and we were playing in the four-ball, the, the, the USGA four-ball championship. I was staying at the Floridian at a friend's house, and uh, we were the only people on the property, basically. It was at the end of April. Um, so it's just you two on the range? And it was me and my partner uh, in the event. We were at the back of the range, and it was him and working with Claude Harmon. Uh-huh. And, and I was, and of course we didn't get too close. I stayed kind of, kind of down the range a little bit. 
And uh, the ball coming off the face of the driver, it sounded like something I've never heard before. It was like a shotgun. I, I, I never fired a shotgun, but it would be imagine what a shotgun or something like that coming off. It was blast. And he only was there for like five swings and he was done. He was already through his deal. Um, but it was it was remarkable how loud. That's what I noticed and how solid now, is it was. That, is that God-given, so to speak? I think it's a lot of it. It's, it is God-given. I think th- I think that's the thing that Tiger Woods brought to golf is athletes. So now instead of seeing – I'm not, I'm not ripping on Tom Kite. He had a Hall of Fame career, but – Tom Kite is the kind of what you think of a golfer used to be like, mm-hmm. kind of the glasses, kind right. of nerdy looking, right. not great player, unbelievable, unbelievable Hall of Fame player. But now you look at the face of golf, you're thinking Brooks Kepka, you're thinking Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods. Dustin Johnson. I mean, even Phil just went to a, 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 a fat farm and now he's... <laughs> is that he's, what he did? What the he hell did, did he do? He did. I mean, he I went, know he, he jokes about his calves, but what the hell's going he on? I didn't know a, he's got like, he actually like has some definition now he did a fast in july before the british open and then now he is gone all workout mentality i mean i i think he suffers from a lot of the same ills that i suffer from meaning i can't do anything part way you can't it's like i'm, I'm so a, a much dick. of that is a trait of the great golfer though is yeah. it not yes is you can't do anything you have to do everything to the extreme yeah. it's it's crazy I, I, and that's and that's him so i i mean that is to me the big difference is overall consistency to get back to your question into in the solidness of which they hit their golf shots and it then it's just repetition of doing it over and over again and they're in better shape and you know it's just it's just a different game today than it was even 25 years ago when I was playing so I, even better golf having played with you and we've played I don't know two or three times mm-hmm. um and you know I think just in passing people go how was it what was it like like oh you got to play with Skip how cool is that what was it like to play with him and I go the thing that I would say about Skip is it's so consistent. That's and, <laughs> and, and you're sitting there going, these guys have the great consistency. I'm like, because yeah. you're just like, Skip's going to be down the middle. I don't know. I mean, uh, 14 fairways, how many are you going to hit? Uh, if I play, hit a good, and I can drive it in, you know, 12, yeah, 11. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's like a minimum of that. And then greens and regulation. I don't know on the one day we played, I don't know what it was, but I just remember the other day that we played, you hit all uh, 17 of 18, and the one you missed was the 18 handicap. And it was like a little short par three at Westboro, number four. And it's just like that's that's what you do. And then you'll hit, I don't know, a, a third or so of those birdie putts, and then you'll two-putt, and then you're on your way. And there, it's not like you're like, he's bombing it, or he's no. putting his proxes two feet every time. Certain that they'll be there, but it's just consistency. Right. So when I'm talking precision. with Adam— I would say I, say I play more precision golf. Golf is different now uh, on the highest of levels. It's more power. Yeah. It's a different—it's more bombing and gouging. Um you know, that's what it is. I mean, when I grew up, I mean, we shaped shots. I mean, you wanted to hit, see the ball go right to left. You want to see it go left to right. And you can do that on command. Well, no, I, can, I, I mean, I have a harder time hitting it right to left than I do left to right. But that's just how my shot pattern is. I think we all have different ones. But you but you definitely, I don't even look at sh- at, at, at how it's going to shape. It's more where the ball is going to start. So I want to start it at a certain spot. If it works toward the flag, great. If it doesn't, it's in the middle of the green or wherever it is. But that's how I learned to play golf. It's not... Now so you talk about different. that because we both work have worked with the similar people, sure. And I and the guy and you're obviously you know in a different world than than what I'm doing, but is starting and I'm like trying to visualize that because of course most people who are listening to this who are you know maybe decent golfers you know mm-hmm. whatever an eight or nine handicap or somebody who's just like gets out and plays every once in a while, I'm sure they don't go okay I'm going to start it over here. And then right. it's going to get, that's just not the way you think until you work with somebody who thinks that way or you're at your level and that's where you're going to go. So when you're lining up and you're looking at, at the pin or whatever, mm-hmm. you're, where you're trying to hit the ball, 
are what are you thinking? Is, well, is you're about on, to is you're in your stance and you're getting ready to it fire. It depends the shot, but I'm looking where I'm going to go and um I want the ball and I've already got in mind what I wanted to do. I want to start it there. If it works left, that's fine. Not um and I've I've got whatever it is my swing thought. I, I always think you have to have something to think about because to me thinking thinking of nothing. One swing thought. Though. Well, yeah, or two small ones or however, you know, it's going to work. How, however you are, I'm a little different. I'm I kind of get involved in mints and too much information sometimes. But what I would tell you is, is you need to figure out where you're going to go. And then you need to play the best percentage of shot of what it is of your capabilities. And which is what I do. And then I try to think of what I'm going to do. And then I try to execute, execute the shot. And it sounds really simple, but what I'm trying to do in my pre-shot routine is create a feel that I think is going to create the result that, it, that I'm intending. I like and that. that. That's like, what I'm, that's what I'm trying that down, to do. Gangster, that's what I'm that. trying to do. I mean, it, and, some days the feels are a lot easier to come by. Some, they aren't. Um, some, as I've gotten older, it's harder to do because I'm not, my body can't necessarily handle the workload, if you will, that I'm producing on it. So it just depends on what you're doing day in and day out. Do you do certain workouts that are golf specific workouts to keep uh, I've yourself? I started in the- to do more and more. What do you um, got going on? So I you work like that yoga. So I, I have not done <laughs> yoga yet. Probably should. Um, I like that yoga. There's a, there's a trainer, um, at elevated performance. It's actually, uh, they do hockey stuff mostly. I mean, he's, uh, so crash John Benny's the guy's name and he has been helping me over the last two years, really doing more specific uh, things to, for movement and, and stuff like that. So he, I've, I go there, I'll be there this afternoon. Um, I've started early and earlier. I keep, usually it's an off season thing, but I'm now learning at 45, soon to be 46 years old. It, it can't be a part-time thing. It has to be a a full-time thing because yeah. I'm not moving as well as I used to. So he does a lot of the hockey players. He's, he's, he's trained Ben Bishop and the Chucks and all those guys. I, we have a great relationship. We're friends and he's, he's helped me tremendously to where I think I still have good golf ahead of me. Let's just put it that way. Hey, hope you're enjoying the conversation with Skip Berkmeyer. All of these interviews are made possible by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. He presents our guests each week here on the Tim McKernan show. He is online at evergreen STL. Com. I've gotten to know Mark, and I can recommend Mark without thinking twice to our audience, and that makes me feel good because, well, that's that's the game. And the great thing is is that our audience is supporting the sponsors. Mark's phone number is one way you can get a hold of him, or you can just go to evergreenstl.com. But if you're more apt to give a call, great, 314-889-0503, 314-889-0503, or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna deals with everyday people every day and just think psychologically let's 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 compare it to getting in shape physically because i think there's something to be said for that and you make the appointment to meet with a trainer or you sign up for the gym and even though you haven't lifted a weight or run a mile or even stretched just by doing that tell me if i'm wrong on this but just by doing that psychologically you feel like you've accomplished something because you've taken the first step. You can't get there without signing up for the gym. You can't get there without stretching. You got you to gotta take these first steps. Well, the first step, and it'll make you feel better, to getting yourself healthy financially is making the phone call to somebody who knows the business and wants to help you and is a quality person and not just going, oh, good, here's somebody and they've got this. Okay, well, I'm going to have them invest in all this stuff, even though I don't know what's going on. 314-889-0503 or online at evergreenstl.com. 
His job is to get your finances organized and then find out what it is that you want. Everybody's goals are different, different times of life, different assets to manage. But what do you want? And then he puts a plan together for you. And and then it once you have that, it's kind of like, okay, now you're it's like it's running a business, except it's your own personal business. And you just adhere to the budget. It's kind of simple. And people think budget and they think cuts. Well, that's not necessarily the way it is. It just makes sure that you're setting aside the dollars that you need to set aside, whatever you guys determine. It's not his call. It's your call. And then you're setting aside. Now you're taking care of yourself. You're putting yourself and your family on the right path. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, our guest presenting sponsor here on the Tim McKernan Show. In addition to James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. 314-961-4800 or online at carltoninsurance.net. It was so good this past week. Uh, Out of nowhere... I mean, it's really what it gets down to um, because without people having positive experiences, our advertisers aren't going to get any return on investment. Um, but I got this email. I don't know where it was on Saturday at 10.03. I received it from a gentleman named John. Just wanted to say thank you for the on-air endorsement of James. My wife's car was totaled, no fault of her own, while I was out for work. Thought it would be a nightmare, but your guy, James Carlton, and his office made it ridiculously easy for her. Literally gave her a rental and said, pick up a check next to your house. Just wanted to add my two cents. Great business and great people. Not that she's incapable of dealing with it, but it just sucks not being able to help in person. That office is rock star level. Hope you have a great weekend and keep up what you're doing. John, feel free to share uh, this email. I just wanted to say thanks. That's from John regarding James Carlton. It, it, there truly is a difference. But I know people go, oh, insurance, I got somebody. I don't want to mess with it. I don't want to. A lot of people just don't want to, like, you know, tell somebody that they're making a change, non-confrontational, as people call it. Okay. But then, you, then you're not really, really taking care of yourself or your family if you don't have the best. James is the best. I mean, he really is. That's why I switched. I remember saying to my wife, I'm like, why am I, why am I not making the switch? Oh, because I don't want to have the awkward conversation with my current guy. Well, that's not taking care of my wife and my son. So I had the awkward conversation and made the switch. I'm incredibly happy that I did. I really recommend you doing the same thing. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. Now back to my conversation with Skip Berkmeyer. I wanted to make sure that I asked this because this was the thing that I was going to forget. When I was sitting with Adam Long and we were doing the interview down at uh, PGA National, I guess probably in March, and we were just bullshitting before we started the interview. And obviously, Adam knows a bunch of the guys that you play sure. against here in St. Louis, you know. And and I said, man, you know, I've played with this guy or I know this guy. And, you know, and, and these are some of the younger guys you would think are on, you know, potentially if they wanted to. You know, in my mind, if they could do something with it, I guess you probably are aware that, you know, there's a certain ceiling. But I said, you know, um, I, was, I said, you know, why haven't, you know, for lack of a better term, why haven't they been able to do that? Uh, because Adam would be the first one to say it. it's not like he's known as a bomber, you know. No. And, but he uh, hits it out there pretty good. Yeah. That, 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 well, he's, of course, when he's saying that, he's comparing himself to the other guys correct. on tour. You know, I mean, he's, so, but he said, he goes, there's something about tournaments or events and some people, yep. you know, and some people, for lack of a better term, can handle it. And yeah. excel, and some people, for whatever reason, can't. Yeah. And as dumb as it is, um, when it's not like he's saying that as a guy that's won like ten times no. on tour either. In fact, he only won 
I think for like the third time when he won for his professional career. Is that it, right? Really? When he won it. In, when it, it, it uh, where was it? Palm Springs. Yes. I, I honestly think he won two tournaments previous. He won a Hooters event and then he won, he beat me at the Metropolitan Amateur Golf <laughs> Association in 2009. Maybe one other, but that's coming from a guy who's played down the stretch and has failed down sure. the stretch because in golf, you fail way more than you win. Absolutely. Um, so I, I, that's an interesting comment. I, I agree with it. Some people have the innate ability to rise to the occasion. I'm not saying I am. I think but I, you've won I have a won a bunch, but I think you, you, I've put myself in the position to win. And then sometimes they're going to hand you, just hand you the trophy because it just happens. Circumstance. Sometimes you win it. Sometimes you don't. So I, you, you never hear a guy saying, I'm going to win the tournament. They always say, what do they always say? I'm going to put myself in position. I'm going to put myself in a position. Right. Because that's what you can control. You can't control what the other guy can do. Exactly. You can only control what you can do. So I do think the guys that win the most are the guys that put themselves in a position the most. And so that's how you have to me to design your golf game is you have to design your golf game and your misses and where they're going to go to be able to put you in position to win golf tournaments the most. And some people have the ability to do that better than others because I think mechanically, technically, they're better off to do that. You're going to have the John Daly's of the world that swing a club all over themselves and, and have great athletic talent, but that only takes you so far, mm -hmm. I think. I think you need to have good technique that that's going to survive the highest of pressure, if you think of it that way. I mean, and Adam's got great technique that can survive the highest of pressure. Some guys don't have that technique. It may look like they do. But honestly, when you look in the video or you look down deep, they don't. Mm. So usually when you're nervous in golf, like any sport, you have a right to be nervous because there's something that's going on that's freaking you out. And it, it could be the circumstance, which is a lot of times it is. That's how everyone feels nervous. But sometimes you're playing around something in your game or your golf swing that makes you even extra nervous. Some people don't have that. I think Adam or Tiger or pick a great player – they can rise to the occasion because their fundamentals and what they're doing is is repetitive. It's a repetitive motion that they can do at the highest level. Do not you, everyone has that. Exactly. And I think some of the guys at the highest level may not have it. And they may right. have it at a certain point. But right. now that they're, I wonder, and it might not be fair, mm -hmm. and it's how sure. the hell would I know, but like a Ricky Fowler, for example. Right. I feel like Johnny Miller in roundabout ways. Uh, it, I happened to be at the tournament, so I wasn't watching it. But then I would read about it. It was a Honda Classic. He won, uh, I guess, maybe three years ago now. Uh, because he was, he was, you know, he was playing with a lead, and I think Miller insinuated that Ricky has a tough time when he has the lead. There's and some mental that, people that some people have a like being in the lead, love it, cover right. it. Some people don't. Exactly, I get it. That if I, Ricky's going to win a major, it might have to be he's going to have to come from behind on a Sunday. That's probably true. Sergio uh, finally getting a Masters. Yep. I still say, and again, it's 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 this is like barroom banter here. But if Rose had made his putt, Sergio doesn't make his putt that he wound up making mm -hmm. to win because there would have been some element of pressure on it. Now, I, I mean, I'm really digging into the weeds on it, but I think there's I, I think there's something to do. I can't prove it, so it's totally speculative. And I wonder about that, whereas there are other guys who seem to excel. And it's a weird feeling. So for you, you've competed in all of these. Mm -hmm. You've won a bunch of these. What, just last month, you're at Pinehurst. Right. Do you still get nervous? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Right. There's no way you're not. Okay. I mean, I, I, my mom used to say as I grew up, she's a great player. She says, if you're not nervous, you don't care. Okay. So I think you're always going to have some nerves. I don't care what you're playing. I don't care if it's a five footer that I'm playing with the guys, just to just to and there's and there's twenty dollars on the line. I I I'm not nervous, but I'm a, I I, I want to make the putt. Sure. So you're you want to make it. There's an angst, there's an anxiety there. You want to make it. That's why you got to have a good routine. That's why you have to yeah. go through the 
the same process every time to reproduce it because you you, you got to your body's and your your mind has to be in the right place to make a putt or to hit a golf shot. So I, I think to your point, Ricky Fowler is a great example. Could not be a nicer human being probably on the PGA Tour. Could yeah. not be more talented. But I think technique-wise, he had to make changes. Went to Butch Harmon. It's, he's been much better since he's been there. But let's look at let's let's take a deep dive in his statistics. What doesn't he do really well? He doesn't drive it that well. So when you don't drive it that well, you're kind of up against now, it. Now, when you say don't drive it that well, you're talking from an accuracy or talking about distance? Both. I think if you look at total driving as a statistic now. They have so many yeah. more statistics. You used to have the guy that was, oh, he hits it long, but he never hit it straight. Well, we're we're, we're learning now with, with statistics, and I have to change my mind on how I do things. The driver is the most important club in your bag, not the putter, because it sets up wow. the hole. It is that not. is so counterintuitive to something you would have heard 10 years ago. Correct. And so... To me, the total driving number and proximity to hole are the two numbers to look at. I know you're a fantasy geek. You love oh, yeah. you love that oh, stuff. Those God, are the yeah. two numbers to look at, I think, to see the consistency in the best players are playing. Simple as that. Because if you're driving it well, whether you're in the rough or not and you're driving it long, so say you're driving at 300 and some yards and the other guy you're playing is drives at 270. Well, say he hits what, – what's he going to hit? You're going to You're going to hit 14 drivers, maybe, probably not, but say right. it's 14 drivers because there's four par threes. You're going to hit driver on every hole. You're probably going to hit eight fairways. Maybe let's just say eight for the guy who's going to hit 300 yards. The other guy's going to miss a couple. Let's say he hits 11. Mm -hmm. Drove it phenomenal. But so there's really only three holes where the guy's going to be in the rough and the other guy's going to be in the fairway. Only three holes of mm -hmm. quote-unquote advantage. But think of the other holes and how big of an advantage 30 or 40 yards is. Driver's a key stat. So to me, Ricky doesn't hit it. It's like Jordan Spieth, same thing. Mm -hmm. They don't hit it that extra gear that Brooks, Rory, DJ hit it, for instance. So their position, they have to hope that some, these guys aren't, quote-unquote, on that week. But it's getting harder for them because there's more guys that hit it that far. And that percentage of play, it's like a poker analogy yeah. is what I'm trying sure, to point sure, out, sure. Oh, yeah, is that you. you have a better chance of making birdie with a wedge in your hand than the seven iron. Of course. So... I, I think Ricky being in the front, I think you, as a person, you know this. I mean, you, you can see that Brooks or Rory McIlroy or pick a player and they're hitting the ball much longer. It's it, Your margin for error is just smaller. So I don't think you have lack of guts. Maybe maybe a little bit. Maybe you're not built that way. But I think it's just the percentages of what goes on to how to create that score so, is more important. So it's something that you experienced here then within the last month, essentially, Absolutely. because you you get to the U.S. Amateur, mm -hmm. which is an amazing accomplishment in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And how many of how many then at that 11. point? It's Eleven. Eleven. I mean, my God, starting in '95, still yeah. doing it in 2019. You get to go play Pinehurst, right? Um, and I, I believe we talked on the phone about this um, that you're down there, and. And and what you found now oh, that, you, I, not, you know, that you were like oh I'm alarmed by this you knew what you were getting into mm -hmm. that you're hitting the ball and it's not like you're hitting it like no. you know you're hitting it I was I was hitting it probably with roll 290 yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> but then the guys you're playing against are carrying it 300 plus and then the ball's rolling out to a a, a ridiculous degree so I went <laughs> so I think the best way to explain it and I'm going to try to because I might muck it up but that and I don't want to bore the heck out of whoever's listening to this but. I'm, last year, I played at Pebble Beach, which we saw on the on TV, and then this year, I played at Piners. Pebble Beach is like 6,900 yards, and it was more about precision or accuracy. 
obviously always more important. If you can't hit the ball further, do it because it's it's better. No, no question. I'm not saying that. But there was a way for me to play those golf courses to compete. And I made match play. I played well. I lost my match in the first round. So you see, got to the round of 32. Yes, I could have won, but I, I d- didn't work out. But I was the oldest to make match play by 15 years. So I mean, it gives you an idea of the, how young the game's going. So I wow. make ma- so I play well. I shoot 77, 69, make the cut, get in there. I had a chance. At least I had a chance to compete. At Pinehurst, it was 7,600 yards, par 70. <laughs> and there really was no rough because they had this, like, sandy yeah. mix of stuff, if you watched on TV yeah. at all. And you could get good lies in it. So, once again, I play out that scenario of a guy hitting at 330. I'm hitting at 280 off the tee. And I'm hitting now, now advantage to the guy. Not only he has an advantage, now he's playing on greens that are like an upside-down elephant. The balls all roll off at Pinehurst. They, they have those false false fronts and false sides and false backs. I mean, who's going to win? I mean, I, I had legitimately, I played two holes and I looked at my caddy and I go, oh boy, we, we, we got some, and this is in the practice round. I'm like, this is going to be different. I'm going to have to, I mean, I'm going to have to play. I'm, my short game, everything's just going to have to be perfect for me to even have a chance to make the cut. It's just, but that's how golf is going. And I don't know if it's the right thing, but that's that was that that's that's the reality of what I faced there. Yeah. So when when you, when you realize that you're on your second hole, your practice round. I mean, what do you, what's what's? I better putt well. Yeah. I better trip well. <laughs> I better pitch well. But I mean, it, at that point, you're just trying to figure out how to play each hole and how to navigate it around. And I didn't do a very good job of it. Um, and I think I could have if I would have been really on top of it. But even if I was on top of it, the, the chances are so little. I'm curious uh, on this. You know, you mentioned Pebble Beach in the USAM mm-hmm. in 2018. You get there to the round of 32. As you, I didn't know that statistic. Mm-hmm. So would that mean nobody over 30 got into the? Well, the, 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 so there's four mid-ams, 25 and older, to right. uh, that made the cut. Uh, one was Stuart Hagestad, who, who who made the cut at Pinehurst. He's a he's like a hybrid. He's a different animal. He's all he does is play golf. He's he's like a tour player that's an amateur, but that's another. Whole, he's he's a, he's a good great player. Play just played the Walker Cup with the just one. And then there was um, Garrett Rank, who's an NHL official. I don't know if you've seen. He's an, an actual NHL official. He's like 30. And he played for the Canadian national golf team for a while. Also refed on the side, but then became an official. So he's a great friend. In fact, we just played down at Pinehurst together. And he made the cut. He just won the Western Amateur. He's a great player. But he's another different breed. I mean, he's like, I mean, he's built. I mean, he looks yeah. like. Brooks Kepka. Yeah. And then there was another guy who I didn't know. And then there was me and, and, and Garrett's 30 and I was 45 last year. So there was a, there wow. was a difference of, this is a different deal. Now, if you would have done that 20 years ago and we would have had a, uh, so let's go back to 1995 when Tiger won. Well, mm-hmm. he played in the final, a 40 year old and Buddy Marucci. And there was probably of those 64 that made the match play, there was probably 15 mid amps really? that made the cut. Yeah. And it's, so it's just illustrates it's a lot the way that, that it's changed. So you lose in the first round, mm-hmm. and it's close, right? Is I lost one up. The guy, uh, wow. I was two up with uh, eight to go, and um, I looked at my caddy, and Jim Holcreeve gets, gets mad at me when I say this, but I go, I can do this. I can do this. It's like I had to, I, I, I believed it at that point. So you told Jim Holcreeve that you well, said? Well, I said that, and then he said, why did you say that? You Don't okay. don't jinx yourself. Was, was Holcreeve with you? No, but this was on uh, the phone call the later. Okay. And I, I said, because I, you, you go play. I'm playing the fourth player in the world at that time. His name really? was Shintaro Bon. He, he's now turned pro. He was at UNLV All-American. So 
Were you playing well or yeah, he I played, played great. poorly? We both played great. We yeah. both, I, I, I bogeyed the first two holes, and I didn't make a bogey for the rest of the round. And um, I was two up with, with eight, eight to go. To go yeah. And uh, he one-putted his last eight greens and beat me one up. He birdied. Oh, so I had a four-footer for birdie on the last hole. Didn't get a chance to putt it because he made a 15-footer right in front of me. Wow. So... It was disappointing, but I, 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 once again, I did about everything I could. So, so, that, so my question then is this, because I'm curious about this. I have found, and again, I'm playing in you know dipshit events. I mean, let, let's 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 call them what they are. That's actually, I think, I think they're going to call form a federation called dipshit events. No, they're not. No, I, no they're not. I've played in some of those events, so they're not completely all that way. So, I mean, so it's you know, and and I've gotten better, uh, which is really yep. I actually you deserve the credit for well, that because you saw something in my swing that instructors didn't see, yeah, well, which is amazing. That instructors didn't see it, and you saw it, and then that led to me getting again, re- relatively speaking, sitting next to you better. But with that said. You know, I lost in like, the, I don't even know what it was, like the C flight of our club championship, you know, because at the time I was a 12 um, and so I'm in the C flight. But it's I shot trending it, up. But yeah, so I'm going to I'm six five now. <laughs> but uh, I I lost and but I shot a 74 and the guy it's also weird that he was in the C flight and he shot a 72. And it's like, I'm fine with that. Like, I'm legitimately fine with that. But I had one the year before. Where I imploded, and again yeah. we're playing for not, we're playing for like fifty dollars pro shop. I mean, right. who gives a shit? But we're playing for fifty, and I imploded, and it really bothered me. Yeah. And I and I remember telling my wife that night. I go, I have no idea why I care, but this really bothers me, and it's going to bother me. You know, now now I look at it, and I laugh. You think at that it. bothers you? You can well, only imagine. You can only imagine how it bothers that's me. That's what I, that's where I was going. So <laughs> for you, you're. You're two up with eight to go, and you're at Pebble Beach in the USAM. What is what is what are the a, next few hours like? I didn't make a bogey, so I, I remember going to dinner that night, and I I didn't make a bogey. So I was like, you know, I, I think I'm I, I do a really good job, Tim, of looking forward. I really do. I mean, I I think in golf, you can look looking back can get you in trouble, and um, I'm always looking to the next event, and at that point. I was looking at that particular point for the next two hours. I was more upset that I I got to go back and I got to try to qualify for the USGA Mid-Am than I, than because I had to switch stuff around. And I, I was disappointed, yes. But I, I, I realized I'd played really well. Yeah, well, that, and, there's and, the difference, And there's though. a difference. Now, if I would have gone out and laid an egg, I would have Down been, the stretch. Down the stretch. Through. If I would have given him the match, I would have felt worse but at the same time, at that I had I was playing on house money at that point at the U.S. Amateur. I mean, I I went out there. I didn't even try to qualify for five years previous. I hadn't. Oh, I didn't know that. I hadn't even tried to because my wife t- teaches school and she supports everything so great. And that's part of why if you have anything in life to have, it's such an individual sport. But you got to have a team of people that believe in what you're doing. And my wife is one of them. And and long story short, I hadn't, I didn't try to qualify because the kids went back to school and she bought, went back to teaching school. So we needed, she needed help. And then I, I entered this one kind of on the side saying, well, it's Pebble beach. Maybe I can get back there. The qualifying was at Westwood. And so I didn't even really expect to qualify. I hadn't even tried. And so lo and behold, I make it. And so we kind of made it into a vacation. She ended up going for two or three of the four days and three, four days. And, um, I took a buddy here uh, Mark Mushiku caddies for me every once in a while, and his wife went. So we kind of made it into this like vacation. I got to play mm-hmm. Cypress Point. It was it was an unbelievable week. So I was on house money yeah. the whole time there. So it was a little different um, than most tournaments. If I if it was like, and I think 
national tournaments, expectations are different than local tournaments yeah. or regional. So what are your expectations? So my expectations, and it gets to a point where it's almost, if you don't win, it's a terrible existence. I've gotten better with that to where I refuse. I, I, I made this kind of my model. I refuse to let the number determine my golf self-esteem. And to me, if you let that number dictate how you're going to feel about your golf game, you're going to have a lot of problems because you can go shoot 73 today, Tim, you could, and not feel and feel good about your game, but not great about your game. Mm -hmm. You could go shoot, you could go shoot 75, but really feel good about your game because just because a putt goes in or one shot in four rounds doesn't work out. You can't let that determine your mental ability and what you feel about your game. It's hard. I think it's it's really hard. It, it, it's going to affect you. You're human. It affects me. But that's kind of what I think. So that's why I'm always looking forward mm-hmm. than looking backwards. So I'm looking on the next event. Okay, how can I, how can I not let, how can I win or how can I do better in the next event? I think it's always looking forward. So have you had if that makes any, no, I mean, I, I, if anything, I'm sitting there going, God, that's really healthy. Uh, that's well, dis- but that's ha- disappointing, but you, ha- <laughs> but you have to be because it, it, you lose because you can't control anything. You can't I mean, control you, it. Yeah. And you lose so much more than you win. In golf. Right. I mean, it, think about it. I mean, you don't have a teammate, like a baseball game is going to be played tonight in Colorado. There's going to be a winner and a loser. You can go 0 for 4 and your team can still win. Right. You can leave going, Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't do that in golf yeah. and, and things are going to lose. So yeah. I, I think, yeah, it's healthy, but it's it's more of if you don't, you're going to drive yourself absolutely bat crap. So I'm wondering, then there had to be time, though, that you didn't have this perspective. Oh, sure. That you have, okay. Well, I'm 45. And, you, right. You, you, I've lost a lot. Sure. And so, I've blown, I've lost, I've probably lost tournaments in every which way possible, and I've won tournaments about every which way possible. Where your opponent blew it. Yes. But you've blown it. And sure. then what was that like? Like, when was it like it's its darkest? I think the darkest was in 1998. Um, the reason I say that early is I was younger. I was, I was 25, and I was... I played the state am that year at the Missouri state am. And you got to realize my mom won the state am in the 1960s. She won in the 1970s and she won in the 1980s. So she won in three different decades. So she was older, couldn't really win in the nineties. So I was hoping to keep that legacy going. So 1998, I was the number one seed out of the stroke play portion of the state am. It goes to the 64 bracket, just like the U S amateur. And uh, I make it all the way through the bracket, and I get to the finals, and I lay an absolute egg. In the finals. Played horrible. 36-hole 36-hole final. Okay. I think I lost seven and six. I lost to a guy that he will even tell you, Chuck Green, who's a wonderful man and a great family man, big fan, but he will tell you I had no business. And no business. After looking at potentially what I've done in my career versus him. And uh, it, it was it was awful because I thought I failed my parents. I thought I let my you know I, I I thought all these things were flying through my head. I mean I was in tears. I I, I blew it. I blew maybe my only chance to do that. Mm-hmm. And because I knew to how keep to keep the Berkmeyer name and kind of going yeah. and and also personally I hadn't won a lot at that point. I had qualified. Yeah. I had done stuff. I thought this was my time. I I had this was this was it, and it wasn't. And that haunted me for a little bit. And unbelievably 1999 comes the year later and if you recall in 1999 Payne Stewart wins the U.S. Open after blowing it in 1998 Mm -hmm. so I was in Springfield on a Sunday watching in my room my hotel room getting ready to play in the state amateur Payne Stewart win that championship 
at Piner's. It was fantastic. In fact, I had to move over at the end of it to a dinner at Springfield, where Payne is from, by the mm -hmm. way. And the people there had a meeting. They cut the meeting to go watch, and he makes the putt. People erupt. Everyone's excited because he wins the U.S. Open. I leave there thinking to myself, well, if he can do that after 1998, why can't I do that? So, lo and behold, I make my way through the bracket again. I get to the finals, and I experience the opposite of what I experienced in 1998. I win in 1999. And so I got to carry that on in another decade. I got to accomplish those goals, and I got to feel the feeling at that point of euphoria at that point. So that was, to me, the ultimate. Not Obviously, I've won two others since then, which is great, but that overcoming those mental demons and those mm -hmm. things was cool for me. I don't know if it's cool for... Adam Long on the PGA Tour or Tiger Woods, but for me in the game, that was really cool. Sure, absolutely. And that's how I didn't realize that. I didn't yeah. know the, the history on that. I knew yeah. it won, but I didn't know right. what had happened in 98. Right. Wow. So that, 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 that's, that, that to me, everyone will ask me, what's your best event or how did that ever take place? That's it. 99 states. That it will always yeah. be. I could win the United States mid-amateur next year because I didn't qualify this year. I could win it next year. And I will always say that was the best wow. event because because of the the history, the the, my, yeah. my my mother and 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 just the golfing world. I mean, I grew up at Norwood Hills Country Club, and I mean, I was around state champions all the time. We played golf together. I I, I wanted to win one, yeah. and that was and kept it going. And I and I won in '09, ironically, ten years later, and then I won in '11. So I got to carry so you got it, it covered. I got it covered. Can you for get a it? Can you get one in the twenties? That's going to be a little harder. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got to hope for my my daughter. Clearly. I, I got to hope for her. But yeah. uh, let me ask you this: You mentioned your daughter. If you have a child, or if you're talking to, I mean, we have a few listeners who have sure. golfers. Uh, Justin in Columbia, famous texter, his son. Really? Yeah. Play, is play, played at Pinehurst, I think, here within the last couple months, really? actually. Oh, yeah. U.S. kids? Yeah. U.S. Uh, kids And stuff? I see him post videos on Facebook. I'm like, God, that kid's got a good swing. I mean, he's like seven or eight. That's interesting. What do you say? What do you say to, like, a guy like me? But what do you say to, like, people getting started in the game to what would you work on? I feel like I've asked you this when we're, like, BSing after a round. And I and I, if I'm not mistaken, you said spend more time around the green, chipping, well, I, I, I mean, putting. I mean, practice, I mean, as far as practicing, I, I, would tell, I would tell anyone you need to practice basically your driver and wedges. Honestly, think how many times or maybe to your nine iron or, you know, you, you don't hit a lot of seven, six, five, four, three, hybrids you don't right. i mean i mean if you are you're probably playing the wrong set of tees or your piners playing 7600 yards <laughs> but but you're, but that is where you're going to make most of your your decisions i mean especially the driver so i would i would practice those kind of things i mean your short game obviously you got to get better I, I would tell kids and parents i think the biggest key that i think is you if i could do it over again is if i was just exclusively doing that is you got to get yourself in, in front of someone who's going to teach you and mentor you and to get you doing the right thing. There's so much information in golf is out there. I mean, just go to YouTube or go to Instagram yeah. or go to wherever. And there's good information. I think there's sketchy information. I think there's excellent information. I think it's all over the map. And I think depending on who you are and where you are in your game, you can run into where you can get access to really good stuff and bad stuff. And sometimes you don't know the difference between if it's going to be good or bad. Mm. So for kids, I think it's really important that you get together with somebody that's going to mentor you or help you get in front of the right information so you don't have bad habits and problems that you're having to work through your entire career. So I, I that's hear, what I would tell you. I hear tell stories of 
you know, you hear horror stories. It's kind of like, a, at this point, almost cliche of Little League parents. Uh-huh. But the golf parent is, uh, can be, can it's be. It's different. It's different. I, I mean, I'll give you an example. The We, we took my daughter to play CYC golf last year. And my, my, my wife goes to me and says, well, our, I, she goes, well, we're going to go. I go, well, what are we going to do? She goes, well, we're going to go watch. I go, what? I go, I go, we didn't, I didn't watch. My, my parents didn't watch me. They dropped me at the course and then they, they let me do my thing. And then that's how you learn. And I, it's just different now. I mean, parents, we, we went there. My wife said, well, everyone else is going to be watching. Why can't we have to go? We have to support her. I'm like, oh, okay. So we went, we went. <laughs> and this is coming from a guy who's a golfer. <laughs> we went and watched and I, I'm like, all right, but I, I don't, you, you got to make it your own. And so I, I think, yes, I think there are, I will call them tiger moms or however you want to, I don't know what the official designation is, but there are people out there that I think are, they want to see their kid do so well that they'll do anything to do that. And they don't know exactly the right thing to do. And sometimes you got to let the kid just go. And so when you say do anything to do that, what does that mean in the world? Well, they don't know what they're doing. They don't, they don't know how to teach the game. They don't, they, they can only maybe sometimes get their kid in trouble and they don't know how to support their kids. So they're supporting is just being there. And sometimes being there is the worst thing in the world, in my opinion, because you got to figure this out. It's a, it, it is a team. I always say it's the ultimate individual sport, but you have to have a team of people behind you. But you got to figure that out. And I think, you know, I, like I'll give you an example. And I, I and I'll he, he's a listener of yours and, and a guy that Todd Callahan, who you know, and you know, Crimson is mm-hmm. his kid, and and Crimson's a really good player. Goes to Missouri State now. And I would tell you that I bet you Todd would tell you he's made some mistakes with Crimson over the years about his involvement in his game. And I, I, and and I think he's a parent. Nobody's perfect. You're gonna, but I think the best thing for Crimson is now he's kind of owning his game. And I think if he would have owned it earlier, and I think it would have been better for Crimson. And I, I, and I think he's learned from his ups and downs. I think he's going to be potentially Player of the Year here in our area, which is great. We're friends. I, I, I root for him and. Uh, I think it's not easy being a parent. There's no script, but I, I think we have a tendency these days to be more on top of our kids mm-hmm. than letting them just be and figuring it out on their own. Which I would have to think in golf is magnified because you don't have a crowd watching a, a group of people play baseball, basketball, hockey. I listened to Joe, to Joe Buck give an interview with Frank, obviously. I'm a, as I, we were talking before, I'm a sports radio nut being in my car all the time. I'm listening to stuff, and I listen to podcasts now. And Joe was talking about Tiger when Tiger was going through the hydrant problems and all that. I, I remember this interview like it was yesterday. And he, he said, the problem now going forward for Tiger is, is he's going to be on that first tee. And he knows now that we know what he was doing. In golf, you're there all by yourself. The, 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 the spectator's so close. It's on top of you. You're exposed. Mm-hmm. You're not only exposed in, for your game, but you're actually exposed as a human being. Mm. And how he's going to come back from that is going to be probably harder than actually the physical ails that he's been going through. And I thought that was an yeah. unbelievable comment. And yeah. he's exactly right because it's amazing how hard this game is. And you're sitting there all by yourself hitting golf shots. And I, I, I thought when he said that, and I think we've seen it, that it's taken Tiger now – this long to become comfortable with himself again and now play good golf after 2009 but that's amazing i i I could not believe when i i heard that interview i thought it was a i thought it was fantastic poignant i mean to have that perspective but he's right on target what's the most people you've played in front of um i i would say that's a good question uh well when i won the crump cup at pine valley in 2009 what they do there the crump cups pine valley's number one golf course in the world which is 
it's really cool on Sunday. They they let people come watch after noon for the final. And then there's other flights and other finals going on. So they open the gates and people are coming to watch, but they're not coming to watch really me play. They're just coming to see the golf yeah. course because it's like, it's like the thing. I mean, it is unbelievable. It probably is the best golf course in the world. So you open the gates and there'll be, if there's not a Philadelphia Eagle game, because it's right there close right. to Philly. I mean, there might, there might've been five to 800 people there watching yeah, right. me play golf and they're, they got ropes and they're holding people back and they're doing all this stuff. And I got to make a putt on, and I, I have no idea how it went in, but it went in on the last hole to win my match. I blanked. I, I think I might have high fived the entire 800 people. I swear to God, I think I did. But it was. But that is probably the most I played with, and I think that is the one of the cooler experiences I've had in in in, uh, in golf because it, we don't get to play in front of that many people that That's often. A, well, I mean, we get in the Fan Page Club Championship. There's a debate as to whether or not there was the over under of nine and a half yeah. people covered. It is still, but they're still really important nine people. Thank those, you. Those people Thank are really you. important. Yeah, I mean, it was like St. Louis Country Club so, had a, had a weekend outing and they came to watch us play. That's yeah. exactly. Exactly well, make sure you like. keep your card on the path, though, at Normandy. <laughs> well, you are a listener. That's inside baseball there. Skip, I have enjoyed the hell out of this. I told you I was going to nerd out. Uh, thank you so much for coming in. Well, I hope I, I don't know what I did, but I was enjoyed the conversation. Uh, no, thanks, man. And, uh, and, and for real, Gangster Pete, Skip identified, I don't want to say the problem with my swing, but a major problem with my swing that like a, a multitude of people I worked with never saw. And you said something like, if somebody couldn't figure this out, because what I was like, cupping yeah, you had a wrist huge cup wrist in your left. Now, yeah. there's good players that have a cup wrist at their left hand at the right. top. What? But Spieth, Johnson? For a couple, there, there, there are guys that do, but I, 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 I think the least pass of resistance for you, once again, you can, for one person, it's different from the no. one for you, but I, I think it was not to be there. And um, I, I, I think it's more successful that. than Absolutely. it hasn't been. I, I'm, as I said, I'm an idea guy. I, I don't really do anything. My, so. my favorite text from Skip, uh, Pete, was, uh, he goes, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm on the range at Pinehurst getting ready for the USA Amateur, and I'm curious if you won your fan page club championship. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. I am, I am a fan. The saddest thing is I'm playing in the USAM, and you have more people watching you play. It's true. It's very true. It, it was very It was very true. I was wondering how you do it. That is, I think in my life right now, that is some of the fun things that I get to do is I have this knowledge or this, 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 I mean, I've seen all these people. It's nothing. It's just, it's just osmosis of yeah. just stuff. And to see people like you or that, that love the game that much. And I, I think it's a huge thing. I mean, I, I, I know you're going to downplay, but I think to have someone in your, your place love the game of golf is, is, is fantastic. I really regret. I did. I, I think I played like for real on one hand, number of rounds in my thirties. And I, I like, I didn't play. I just stopped playing. And I'm like, well, you play poker. You did that. I know, thing. but I mean, you don't, ha it doesn't, they don't have to be mutually exclusive, you know? So I don't right. know why I did that. I really, I would say you talk about regrets. That's, well, a, that's I, a true I, regret. I, I think what you're figuring out is that golf, that a 98% of people in golf are great people and you want to be around. Absolutely. I prefer to play with people, even if I have no idea who they are, I, than be by myself. And they're 100%. usually, they're great. Absolutely. And I love just bullshit. And people. amateur golfer, amateur golf is all about relationships and why I love it. And it's great for me is that I have, you know, I've been doing this for so long. I get to go to these places like Pine Valley and, and I get to have this network of friends and people that are, that I love to be around. And we, we, I, you know, we BS, we text, we do all that stuff. And it's, I, golf is about relationships and that's the great thing about the game. And I think you get that now, whereas before With poker, you're on your own and it's, and honestly, I mean, listen, I love it. And there's some people who are brilliant, but they're math brilliant. They're psych, psych, psychological warfare, brilliant. 
but they're also socially awkward. Yeah, they're, and I would one of the things they're socially would, inept. But I would yeah, say. and I'm sitting at a table with him. I'm like, God, this guy I can tell is a ticking time bomb, and if he has another bad beat, he's going to go nuts. And and you're surrounded by it, and it's not really a happy place. And so it's funny because Joe Buck's been on a couple times, and we've talked about it. And he we would go. To, we went to I don't say we make it look like we went to Vegas. But times one time we went to Las Vegas. I'm like, I'm going to go play in a tournament. You guys can hang out at the pool, and. And he's like, yeah, I think you've developed a, a habit that's probably a little healthier, so to speak. And I don't know why it's got to be one or the other. But like when you said, I'm one of those people you were talking about yourself who has to be all in. Yeah, that's how I, I can't am have too. one cookie. I got yeah. twelve. You I, know. And, well, Joe was another person that I, I will. I don't mean to belabor all this stuff. No. But I, 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 he he said I thought a fascinating thing. I got to play golf with him about ten years ago, and I said, well, how did you? Why did you start playing golf? He says, with my dad. Because my dad said, there's only bad things that can happen on the road. Look, think about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Women, eating. Booze. Booze. Yeah. Drugs. Right. Gambling. Yep. Golf is, is about as healthy as it gets on the of road. Of the vices, sure. Of the vices. Yeah. So go play golf. Because then you usually got a morning tea time. Yep. You don't want to stay out. There's yep. a whole litany of things. And I thought that's a, I, I think it's really, really true. Yeah. Um, and I, I as I said, it's, it's all about the relationships. I wish golf would do that more as far as selling the game because i think that's what it's about yeah why would i go well, i wouldn't want to play if i didn't have people that i enjoyed to play with. Oh, i couldn't agree with you more i, mean, I, I can't go by myself i really have a hard time i'd rather go I practice. do it yeah I, i'll play i'll play one ball and keep score on that ball but then it'll allow me to hit other shots well, but otherwise well otherwise i i would ra- i'd much rather play with a, with people but my schedule's weird and i don't know you got a weird schedule maybe i'll just text you yeah, say, i got my i got my playing part but joe it's funny joe came in and he was on like about a month ago you'd say pete and he I just lost okay i, I listened and he had I, just saw, lost. I listened to it i'm a fan see i'm not i'm, a, I'm, yeah, not, you're, a, I'm you're not an uber limbing but i'm a but i <laughs> can't possibly be uh, no. you're too upstanding but, but uh but he he had lost his club championship match and therefore you heard us talk about i that. did and how much it it bothered him and we had done it and it, it was like two weeks since and he goes you know michelle his wife yeah. was super supportive like was yeah. uh active so to speak the night he lost because he lost i think on the 36th hole I, I heard yeah and uh but he came back he played well he, he played did. better with people in front of him Absolutely. i heard the whole thing yeah. a great thing and then he said and then it got to a point like he's still talking about two weeks later she goes okay that's enough now we've got now we have <laughs> now we have to move on it's been two weeks now we have to move on. I get it. You know, I I, I, I get the same conversation. I would imagine wife. you I do. Yes. I, I don't even bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not to text me. Yeah. I'll always like yeah. Joe was breaking down his putting putting statistics, and I think he switched putters at after the first eighteen. I'm like, I'm fascinated. Tell me more. <laughs> you know, I'm in. Michelle probably didn't care. I know for sure. Anna Marie doesn't care. care. But I am interested in I this, and I'll talk to you a year from now if it still bothers. That's awesome. Skip, thanks Thank so much you. for coming Thank in, man. Guys. Enjoyed Thank it. You. So there it is. Let's get Burke Meyer with us here on the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Thank you to Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert, for sponsoring our studios. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com, for sponsoring our guests, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, Johnny Landoff Chevrolet at Highway 270, and the Washington Elizabeth Exit, and online at landoff.com, Chevy, fine new roads, and... Design Air Heating and Cooling, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. It's hard to stop a train online at designairservice.com. Getting Skip's perspective on the game, I I start to wonder if I'm really going to be able to make it on tour. Uh, If he's hitting the ball 290 and then guys are carrying it 300 and then it's rolling out, well, we're we're just at that point we're playing different games. And that was the thing that, um, you know, like I said in the interview, I was talking with him from Pinehurst. 
and he had shot. I don't know what he shot. It was it was definitely a number that was, he was not happy with. Um, and he's just like, it, it was kind of a, I mean, here's a guy that when he's playing in St. Louis, any event in St. Louis, there's a good chance he's going to win it. Um, now, when I say good chance, I'm talking about like, I don't even know what percentage I'd allocate, 7 8%, which is high, though, when you're talking about a field of golfers. Um, and, and he goes there, not with pros, but with the best amateurs, and kind of feels like he doesn't really have a chance because because of the style of the golf course. What do you say, 7,600, 77, Pete? Uh, par 70. Yeah, it's like 7,600. I mean, think about that. You know, and so even if you are hitting, and I think he was telling me like there were, I don't know how many par fours that were 475 plus. So even if you are getting the ball to 300 yards, when it's all said and done, you're still sitting there with 175 out. And that's a big difference if there's a guy who's 130 to 150 out, right? Just that that range, which is a pretty wide delta. It's just a different game because, you know, the precision with a wedge or a nine iron is much greater than with a six or seven iron. And that's what you're looking at. And then I'm sure some of you are listening going, 175, I'm not hitting a six or seven iron. Um, you know, I might be firing up a hybrid at that point. And, and how many times are you going to hit a green from 175 out with a hybrid or even whatever it is that you're hitting five or six iron. Um, so, you know, it's just a different world. And I've, as I said, I've played with skip a couple of times, two or three times. And it's just what stood out to me. There was nothing like, yeah, he really can't do this off the tee, but he would just roll in 50 footers. That's not it. It was, it was this. I mean, this is it. And for those of you who played with somebody of, of that kind of caliber, you probably have had a similar experience unless they have like a Dustin Johnson ability to bomb or, you know, when he was on, Jordan Spieth ability to putt. Who's considered to have like the best like short game right now, like chipping? Give me somebody. Give me somebody. Gangster Phil, people, people yeah, are I guess, yeah, that, that, that's an Yeah, that was an obvious one. I messed that up. But either way, those things. But but Skip's just so consistent. It's 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 nothing. It's just, it's going to be a fairway. If it's not, it will barely miss. But it's going to be a fairway. And then he's going to be on in regulation. I mean, it, it, God, I don't know. I, I don't know what the percentage is. But it, it, when I played with him, he missed all but one. And the one he missed was like a 150-yard par three that he you give him 10 balls and he hits that thing nine out of 10 times. Just happened to be the one time he didn't hit it. Otherwise, he's on regulation every hole. Uh, now, I know that's not the way that it actually winds up working, but certainly, you know, 80% would be what I would imagine. Uh, you know, when we're talking about these kinds of courses, Pinehurst being a different operation, obviously, and, and when it's tipped out, you know, different ball game. But I'm talking about your recreational round. And then he's then he's going to be on in regulation, so he's birdie putting, and, you know, he's not going to make them all, probably not going to make even the majority, but he's going to leave himself a tap-in birdie, and then or tap-in par, excuse me, and then it's on to the next hole. And that's, that's it. There's just nothing, there's just, there's nothing really glamorous about it. And if you weren't really paying attention, you might not even realize it because it isn't like he's rolling in 40 footers or he's hitting shots that are like two feet from the cup. Those will happen, but it's just, I think he thinks through the golf course. He kind of explained that, you know, looked at the shot, figure out where he wants to leave it before. And then he's able to more often than not get it there. Of course, that's the biggest issue for amateurs. I mean, so, okay, you want to play a right to left ball here. And, you know, I mean, how many of us can actually do that? Um, and then, you know, the thing that we talked about with Adam Long uh, back in March and Skip, and I think there's something to be said for that, is the ability to manage the nerves 
and how some people just for whatever reason, and he specifically, he went deeper into the Ricky Fowler thing, he explained it more than just saying, yeah, it's nerves, that the weakness in his game is driving, and uh, in, and therefore he leaves himself exposed. Um, you know, I mean, that's 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 a real part of, of be, being a great golfer. It's not really measured statistically how one handles nerves, but it's there. And that's what I was wondering about. You know, with Pinehurst, it seemed like he knew what the situation was. And as he said, he was going to have to essentially play a perfect game just to make the cut and then get into a spot where he's in that round of 64 match play. But with with Pebble, it, it's, the, it's an ideal setup for him, and he was able to get into match play. And I was just curious. I'm like, I wonder how much that bothers him when he's up to with a— and, you know, you hear his mindset, and it's like, yeah, you know, I just keep focusing on him because I played well. Which, And I get that. You know, again, when I'm, we're talking about my operation, we're talking about, as I said, dipshit events. But if I play well and I lose, I really—I don't want to say I don't care that because that, be, that would be disingenuous. But it doesn't bother me nearly as much. I've been on both sides of it. Again, in dipshit federation things, not you— I mean, dipshit federation things. I'm talking about member guests and member member and a fan page club championship and things like that. I mean, things that are truly, you know, unimportant. Um, and when I was, like I said earlier, I, I in, the, in the sea flight of our uh, event um, where I was kind of like, God, I'm playing much better than I, at this moment, I don't really belong in this flight anymore. But, you know, that, that doesn't mean I'm just going to take it for granted. Um and then I, then I run into a guy who's just on a heater himself, and I shoot a 74, which for me is great. Uh, probably if we're talking bell curve, that is, that's about in the range, at least at that time, of the lowest end I think I could go. I don't think I've shot. I think I've shot the best I've shot uh, at Westboro, which is a, a par 68. I think the best I've shot is either 72 or 73. So to shoot a 74 in a competition... Um, you know, like I said, is about his, and so I lose and he plays out of his mind and it's kind of like, dude, I guess I'm, I'm probably going to lose in the next round. It's because I, I know that this was just out of my mind. Now you have guys who say that, uh, and they're sandbagging, but there's no reason to sandbag this stuff. You're playing, like I said, for pro shop credit. Um, and, it, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. What am I going to do? Shoot 71. I mean, that's so you tip your cap, but if I would have shot 84 and he would have shot 72, I would have been upset. Even though he still shot seventy two, I'm I'm at that point playing and I'm I'm off. And then you go, okay, was it was it a choke? Did I what happened? Then it bothers me. Um, so I wondered. That's why I was curious for him, a guy who's not a professional. He doesn't make his living doing this, but he was at Pebble Beach in the USAM. It's on Fox, and he's up two with eight holes to go, which is a you know, I mean, it's by no means insurmountable, obviously, but it's it's a nice lead. Because it's not like there's blood on every hole. I mean, you just you have holes, and now all of a sudden, no, oh, now you're up two with four to go. Totally. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's again. What what stands out to me is is a healthy perspective that was similar when I talked to Adam Long, and I'm just like, wow, this is why he's successful. There's personality traits you hear in the conversation that clearly their minds are set in the proper way that. You know, Adam Long just never had a doubt he was going to get there. And then even when things would run bad, he'd be like, well, I'll be, you know, I'll be fine. I'm going to keep working on it, but I know I have the ability. And it's just like, God, that's the, that's the thing. Um, but, you know, the other thing is, is, you know, Skip and Adam both 
were playing at a very young age, Skip younger than Adam, but both at a very young age. And so these swings and the ability to refine swings and learn the game and angles, you know, they, they, they start at a young age and that's a huge advantage. But, um, you know, he's just, and as I said, also, um, he's, his ability, cause I had, and that's, I don't want to make out that I worked with a bunch of instructors, but, um, with a couple of people and nobody had ever pointed out this wrist hinge I did. And, and Skip goes, you know, you have the ability to be a scratch golfer. He goes, but your, your takeaway, you hinge your wrist. And he, he goes, I'm surprised nobody's ever said anything about it. I go, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. What's a hinged wrist? And he goes, here, you're doing this. You're just supposed to do this. And so my wrist was like, you like flip your wrist like you're holding a, a tray if you're a waiter. That's how I would describe it. And it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be the other way. Um, and he goes, any instructor who hasn't pointed that out to you isn't, isn't worth a damn. And so he got me working with somebody. This person is so good. Um, and uh, Craig Story is who I work with. He is intricate. I mean, he is intricate. Um, but he is very good. And, uh, you know, and, it, it, the, and it, I had to take steps back because I got my dad working with him now. And my dad's, you know, like, oh, my God, this is so much. I've never said, I know. I said, I was shooting in the 90s in May at Westboro which is a place that I'm now shooting. I'd like to try to shoot in the 60s before the end of the golf season. So I've got a few more weeks to try to get there. Um, and I think it's possible, but that shows how, no, I'm not sitting here going, so you'll improve 30 strokes, but because it because the, some of the stuff is, it was there, but I just took steps backward to change the swing. And it's by no means great. It's just, I think that, I think it's my course. So I know it. And I think I, I couldn't go out and shoot in the 60s anywhere else in St. Louis. Um, and I haven't shot in the 60s there yet either. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's our, how much do you really want to do it? And I realize the biggest factor, I think, for people, most people listening to this is time. I mean, you know, I mean, most of the people listening to this are in that range of 20s through 60s and, uh, and have careers and good chance families. And so if your wife is sitting there with two or three kids and you're going, I'm going to go to the range and grind for two and a half hours, it's probably not going to play real well. So that's why I regret the fact that I didn't play golf hardly at all. And when I say hardly at all, for real, I told Skip either one hand or two hands how many t rounds I played in my 30s. Uh, and I just really regret that. And then it's not to say that had I played, I would be playing in these, you know, these events he's playing in. I'm not saying that at all, but it was just a miss. And also you kind of, as he said, we talked about poker. Poker's very, it's certainly isolated and you're on your own. And that's similar to golf, but it's a different vibe. You're not talking. And if you are talking with people, it's a, I don't know. It's, I don't know. You know, those of you who play poker, you know, the poker conversations are usually, I don't know. I, I don't know. I never enjoyed Plus most of the poker I played was online uh, minus the world series of poker in Las Vegas, but most of it was online. So, eh. um, so I regret that. I really do regret that. But, uh, but I would start with an instructor. If you really want to get get better, an instructor, and be willing to go, okay, I used to be able to shoot pretty consistently in the high 80s or low 90s, or I used to be able to break 100 pretty consistently, and go, okay, I'm telling you it's going to be gross if you stick to it for the first X amount of weeks, but eventually, assuming you stick to it, you will. It, it's the proverbial, you'll take a step backward or take two forward. Um and, and Craig is outstanding. He really is. Uh, let me give his email. Why don't I give his email? Uh, let me pull it up here. I think it's Story Golf. 
at something or another. Let me see what I got here. Story golf at yahoo.com. Craig story. There you go. Plugs for Craig story, but he's my guy. I uh, probably will see him as a matter of fact today. And it's just, it's constant stuff and it's so much stuff and it's stuff I didn't even know about. And you don't even think, you don't even think about it. It's like, okay, now I got it. And then it's like, no, now you want to, you know, you want to aim over here. Think about, okay, see that flower that's, you know, 10 yards out and, you know, 10 yards to the right. That's where you want the ball to start. And I'm going, what? And then skips on the range with us. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I don't even worry about you know, what the target is. He goes, I'm, I'm focused on starting it. And I'm, he goes, cause then I'm taking out the left side of the golf course to miss. So now I know that if I miss it, that's fine. But I now know that I'm, t- I'm like, okay, never, this shit never crossed your mind. I mean, most guys, I think just want to hit the ball, not embarrass themselves and maybe try to break a hundred and whatever game you're playing, whatever gambling is going on. So, um, you know, and then also is a dumb thing, but I mean, just a, as a matter of fact, the rules of the game, like just a couple of years ago, because I, I didn't start playing again until two, uh, July of 2016, uh, like red stakes and white stakes, which is so basic. But most, I think most people don't. I think they just, they, they go whatever into the shit and they're just like, okay, I'll just drop and then I'll hit. Well, if it's a white stake, you're actually not supposed to do that. And uh, you're supposed to re-tee it. So now you're hitting three from the tee, which, you know, at that point, you know, that's going to be a problem. But that's the way you play the game. And then if you are starting to play in some competitions, then it can get awkward with people who know the rule. And then they are like, oh, God, do I say anything? This is and this is just the stuff that this has happened in the last couple of years. Because as I said, from 2005 to 2016, I didn't play. I think I played in a scramble once or twice. But when we had the dotum in May of 16, I'm like, yeah, I don't even play, but I'll go out to the golf course. Because I think I was kind of like, oh, I don't want to go to a golf course. And now I'm like obsessed with it. It's so fucking weird. But that's me. So Skip was great to talk to, and I knew I could nerd out with that. So for golf fans, I hope you enjoyed getting into the mind of uh, one of the best amateurs we've seen in St. Louis, still at the top of the game playing in the USAM at, uh, at Pinehurst. You know he's going to be out there trying to do it again next year. Thank you to our sponsors for making it possible, the Gangster Pete Niggy for producing it, and to you for listening to it. Tell your friends. Spread the word. There's all kinds of great interviews here. Last week was Jeremy Macklin. We had Pat Maroon a couple times here in the last uh, month and a half. Joe Buck. These are some good interviews. Uh, and then questions from the audience. Any question is welcome. I mean, I got a question. I don't know if you saw it, Gangster Pete. Uh, and questions from the audience. Uh, does Anna Marie, it's my wife, right. know it's ass-eating season? I'm <laughs> like, I can tell. Good. People are trying to now to really push the envelope. But that's good. I want that. I want them to, to venture into realms that they think I would be pissed off about. <laughs> that's what I want for questions from the audience. How often do you have a host saying, insult me? Take your best shot. Not necessarily the insulting, but a question that you would never think you would hear somebody, you know, with at least some semblance of a career discuss. That's what I want. And that's what we're getting now. So that's great. So send your emails, Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Plus, we have Pick 6. The weatherman's struggling, uh, but Pick 6 is every Thursday. Picks, uh, pick six games and uh, share those with the... I might start doing my own because people are like, why are you doing the podcast if you only pay attention to sports gambling? I do, but I'm like, why would I give picks when we got this guy who went 65% against the number? But... I'll give my picks. You know, I was, I loved that Alabama, New Mexico state thing. Uh, so I spot some things here and there. It's just the weatherman was on a heater. Now the weatherman's in a cool, he's going to turn it around soon. Pick six every Thursday, our guests every Monday and questions from the audience every Wednesday. It's the Tim McKernan show on the inside STL podcast network from the homeownexpert.com studios. Peloton, let's go. This holiday with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. 
You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.